welcome everyone to our I guess second episode unless we decide to put these out out of order in which case y'all are going to be super confused but that's what we try to do here you know confuse as many people as possible that's our ultimate goal I think Siobhan's here too hello it's funny when you when you started and you said hello like I totally so Sarah and I are both <laughs> big fans of the Nateland podcast Perfect. Um, and they start every podcast. I think they've settled on hello, folks. And I totally yeah. understand that now, just after hearing you start, because I could tell that you were like searching for something, you know, like something to start. I nearly went to hello, folks. Well, we can't use that. That's like their thing now. We can't, we can't steal from, from the boys. But but now I, I totally see where they're coming from. Like you feel oh, yeah. like you need to open with something and like, hey, it just seems like a bit... One, it hey y'all, what y'all doing? How you been? Right. How's your mom and them? Right. Kind of mom and them. Sounds like Eminem, but Southern. Maybe uh, that's where he got from. I don't, where's he from? Like, no, he's like from Detroit, right? I don't know. Who is this? I don't Eminem. You brought him up. No, no, no. When you said mom and them, mom and them? Yeah. Yeah, and I said it sounds like Eminem. Yeah, and I said, well, maybe that's where he derived his stage name from. Oh, that's not his given name, okay. you know. We're talking past each. I got you now. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I that Not could very well be. He doesn't strike me as somebody from the south. Let's see. I have a I don't Google think he is. machine. I'm pretty sure he's from Detroit or something. That's that would make sense just because he, like had, he has a, a whole rapper. movie about this. We should watch that movie. I've never seen it. Oh, Eight Mile. Is yeah. that like the? Is that like the true story of Eminem, or is that just that's like a the story movie? he's telling people? Oh, interesting. That's okay, where's he, he has put out there for the world? According to Wikipedia, oh, come this on, this is Missouri, interesting. Missouri. Well, that's where he was born. I don't know if that's, like, where he grew up, but. The hard streets of Missouri. Yeah, what you gonna all do? Them, all them fields of nothing. Missouri is a very boring state to drive through, unless you drive through St. Louis. I don't, um, I don't think you ever took a road trip through Missouri. It's I've never, not interesting. Yeah, I've never even, yeah, nope. Apparently, it says, Music career origin is Michigan. I could see that because it seems like Eminem and his like whole existence would come out of someplace cold, you know? Yeah, someplace cold, someplace a little urban. So that's why I think Detroit. Yeah. It's probably Detroit, I would it imagine. It says, do, do, do. Where'd it go? Yeah, Detroit. Makes sense. Look at that. Me, me making logical connections like that. There you go. We are not talking about 8 Mile today. No, but that's a we, good, good one to come up. <laughs> we are talking about Clueless. Clueless. Similar but different. Uh, yeah, I mean, same, same kind of vibe. Same, maybe same nostalgia. Maybe I don't know. I've never watched Eight Mile, so I don't have any nostalgia about Eight Mile. You know who's in Eight Mile? To continue the off-topic conversation, Anthony Mackie. I love him. Apparently, there's like a I massive rap battle between him and uh, Eminem. I I do not see Anthony Mackie as a rapper. It's not really what I. Then again, I only see him as the Falcon, and in that random movie that I watched where he was a gay politician. Oh yeah, yeah. What's your number? Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar. So he's either gay or a superhero in my mind. I'm familiar with his filmography. Not a rapper. Yeah, he seems way too like happy and you know, bubbly. Bubbly might be a strong word, but you know what I mean. I mean he's kinda like laid back. I don't really see rappers as laid back. Maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know one in real life. Well, I, I know people who want to be rap, not not ones that actually made it, you know. Right. I don't. I don't have Dr. Dre on speed dial. Unfortunate. Shocking. You got time. I do. You got time. Yeah, hit me up on Facebook or <laughs> that, that makes me fast. Oh, on Facebook, 
Facebook is not something people use nowadays to communicate with the world. This Instagram I'm on, but like, how do you hit somebody up on? I guess there are, there's DMing on Instagram. Yeah, it's like you're not even a millennial. You're supposed to slide into their DMs, Sarah. I'm an Obviously. old millennial. Uh, I don't even do Facebook all that much. I just keep up with my relatives on Facebook yeah. and see all their baby pictures. That's that's what I use Facebook for. Yeah, I feel like the TikToks and the Instagrams are taking over. Yeah, not a TikToker either. That's like really putting yourself out. Like it's one thing to to type something out. It's another thing to post a picture. But to like post a video on the internet where it's never going to go away. Yeah, you're 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 taking a chance there. I mean, we're doing it, but we're not putting ourselves in the pictures. We're, we're yeah. like, hey, here's some pretty pictures of wine. Well, and, and you can't you can't reverse engineer like find it by googling us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. with well, an Instagram, you have like your names out there, and then you can just like it's like Facebook. You know, you can figure out someone's entire life just by googling it. It's kind of that's true. Well, all these pictures are probably on my Facebook, but they are also private mode or whatever. I don't know if that actually works. Again, we're talking about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. That's right. Most of this is probably going to get cut, but that's okay. I don't know. I kind of like it. But, um, yeah, like, they didn't have this stuff in the Clueless world. There you go. Nice segue, Sarah. This was pre-internet, and I I love this movie. It is one of my favorite all-time movies. I want to say it holds up. I mean, I think there are some things where you're kind of like, oh, you can't say that these days. But, like, good movie. I I definitely enjoyed it way more than last week. The fashion in this movie is so much more on peak 90s than, than last week. I mean, last week was a different kind of peak 90s. But Clueless, the yellow plaid outfit that she wears in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. is pretty much iconic at this, this stage. The Apparently, they, they blew most of their budget on that outfit, like, right off the gate. So, they really? don't know what they did. Why would yes, that be that expensive? Sure, Dolce Gabbana. <laughs> What was the budget for the movie, though? If they I, don't, can't... I don't Apparently, it was really hard to make the movie because they first wanted to be a TV show, and then they wanted to make it a movie. But then the first studio wanted to make it more about the guys, and the, the producer or whatever was like, no, I don't think so. And then they took it. I don't even know. Who, I didn't even look up who has the, the movie now, who, who made the movie. But they were on board with the whole, like, female perspective, which I guess is kind of progressive for the time. I think so. It's interesting because obviously the main character, the idea is that she's kind of ditzy, but when you think about it, she's she's very multifaceted. Like she's not she's, as dumb as she comes off. She's she's smart in ways, but she's also like oblivious in ways. Hence and speaking of oblivious, like I was oblivious to most of the references in this movie because I saw this movie when I was way too young. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know why my mom let me go to the movie theaters to see this movie. <laughs> I, when, when did it come out? 95. 95? Yeah, I was eight. Yeah. That's not responsible. No, well, I wasn't even eight. I was, I was seven. So <laughs> I was too young for this movie. So. It's, it's fairly tame, but there are definitely, like... But, but you don't get it. When you're seven, you don't get You don't even know what a virgin is at, when you're seven. You're like, oh, she can't drive. That's sad. <laughs> one of the you best know. insults in cinematic history you're a virgin who can't drive i didn't know what a virgin was when i was seven but you probably context clues you probably figured out that it was quite the burn yeah i got it i got that it was a very very sick insult <laughs> i thought the not driving part was like because i can't drive either at that age <laughs> and i was like yeah i wish i you could were drive oh you should you should be able to drive you're dumb it holds up though it's a good movie it does, it does hold up. I like how if you aren't quick enough to catch some of the, the, the humor, 
like it sounds like yeah she sounds super smart but then you like wait a minute those columns date back to the 1970s you're like oh that's impressive then you think you're like oh wait the 70s that was not that was two decades ago not even at this point at when it came out right I feel like is this was this one of Brittany Murphy's first movies? It must have been. I think it was. It was. She was. Um. I think she was the only actual underage actress on set. He was seventeen at the time. She had to have her mom with her there. So that's another interesting thing is that usually with like high school movies, most of the actors and actresses are like you know twenty five or whatever. Yeah, they actually intentionally casted this movie young so that they didn't have like twenty seven year olds in the roles. The only exception was Stacey Dash. The girl mm-hmm. who played Dion, mm-hmm. she is actually like 26 in the movie. She had a kid. She had a six-year-old mm-hmm. kid. She was like 10 years older than, I guess, the youngest member, Ty, or Brittany Murphy. Yeah. But um, she fit the role so well, and she doesn't look any older than anybody else. No, she doesn't. Speaking of people who don't look old, Paul Rudd. Timeless. Man does not age. Timeless. Does not age. Look good then, looks good now. And it's interesting because I feel like when I first saw the movie, I wanted her to end up with the guy that you eventually find out finds out is gay I obviously you don't know that in the beginning or maybe you I didn't just realize it at the beginning probably I wasn't astute enough to realize this probably like ten, I didn't see it when it first came I definitely wasn't five but I was probably I don't know seven eight nine ten that's a long gap but but this time around I was like, like come on obviously like, I mean come on like, now Paul Fred's the better choice even if the other guy isn't gay yeah, well, it's the mid-90s. Maybe they weren't, I don't know, I feel like even in the mid-90s, you'd see that guy, and like, that guy is definitely, definitely a homosexual. Yeah, the Nothing wrong with that, but, like, I mean, he cared a little too much about his looks. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like we should, like, pause for a moment, so this early in the podcast, and give, like, a slight summary of the movie. I realize we didn't do it with The Matrix, but just in case people have forgotten what the movie is about we should That's probably good. good call good call probably orient them to what we're talking about yes so basically the plot of this movie is we have this young rich popular girl who likes to meddle in other people's relationships and it backfires on her she ends up realizing she's in love with her ex-stepbrother <laughs> and it ends with the two people she's two of the people she's been trying to set up during the film getting married there we go is that is that basically the plot? I think so. Well, it's interesting that you, because yeah, the two of the people she tries to set up, it's it's a massive failure. But then the other two people she tries to set up, they get married. So like she's one for two. That's like it's true. not that bad. Like fifty fifty, can't you can't beat that? I mean, well, you can beat it, but it's it's <laughs> it's not terrible. In, in this I'd rather case, lose half the time than win like no, never. So there you go. There you go. So you're a glass half full, full kind of person. Yeah. I know you would not know this because you do not read books, but this is, the plot is loosely based on the Jane Austen novel, Emma, which when I started reading Emma in high school, I was like, hey, these names (laughs) sound familiar. This plot sounds familiar. Oh my God, this is clueless. Maybe love the book. uh, But but my point, like, so when was Jane Austen? Where's her? um... Well, it's set in the Regency era. But so when is when was Jane Austen? Oh wow, Jane Austen's a lot older than I thought she was. I no, thought Jane Austen right, was I, like was like early nineteen, you know, nineteen ten, nineteen twelve. Um, she's like, like eighteen, like sixties. Is that I don't. Born seventeen seventy five. She died in eighteen seventeen. Oh well, then I was accelerating the Regency period by I, a good fifty years. I was way off. I I totally thought she was just like a an early twentieth century. Wow. Okay. I was way off. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote Pride and Prejudice. 
You know, Pride yeah, and Prejudice. Yeah. You've seen I'm, that. Yeah, movie. yeah. I, I guess I just you never put it with that story. I am, and I and I knew that that took place, you know, way back when, but I didn't. I didn't know that Jane Austen you wrote that a, story. It might have been a period piece. You don't know. And, like, right, in a more contemporary, right, exactly. But no, this is a period piece. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's set in a very, like, kind of small town. Like, the Cher character, her name's not Cher. Her name is Emma, obviously. That's mm-hmm. the name of the book. She's, she's got the same rich, kind of oblivious nature. And and you, you like her in the book because it's obviously written from her perspective. And she comes off as lovable and charitable, but you realize, like, as you're reading it, like, she ain't got any clue what is actually going on with people and how she should actually behave. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of, it, it, it's a very good comparison to a Beverly Hills teenager. And is, are the, the secondary storylines the same, too? Yeah, there, there's a, um, she tries to uh, match make the, her, the, the Thai character, her name is Harriet in the, in the book, with this really wealthy, I think he's a, actually a sort of minister or something, but he's, he's above her, her class. And while Ty in the book wants to marry this farmer who she, you know, likes and would be very happy with, and then the end, they end up getting together kind of like her and Travis do in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And you don't actually see the teacher matchmake kind of comparison in the book. It happens before the book takes place where she matchmakes her governess I guess I guess she was with somebody in the area who you know was a good match for her Hmm. so that's where she got the bug from and she tried to carry it over and then she slowly realizes she's in love with uh, the Paul Rudd character who's called Knightley and in the book he is not her ex-stepbrother but her sister's husband's brother okay so so still not related but kind of related yeah not blood relative okay yeah so that that's the book story, and there's no gay people. Obviously, Christian is not gay in in the book. That was that was a, a modernization that the film took, which was fair. I liked it. I think it added a, a modern twist to it. And it also makes her look even more clueless. Like it just kind of it works a lot. It really ties yeah, it. It works on different levels. I like it. It's interesting because I I was I can't remember what I was watching. I was reading something or watching something, and they were comparing like movies that were made in the '90s and movies that are made today. They basically said that movies like this and just smaller movies that aren't they don't have a lot of flash just don't get made today because they don't make enough money. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think that's like, true because like this kind of movie, there's generally a plot, but there's nothing remarkable about it. It's an interesting movie and it's a good movie. I enjoy watching it but there's just there's never this major climax of the movie you know what I mean it's just kind of a story you know what I mean like it's there isn't like this major event or anything that's really flashy that happens but it's still enjoyable to watch it's just interesting yeah I think it's it's kind of like caught in like the the no no man's land of the big blockbuster action comedy movie that you would go see and then the indie like Oscar bait films that would, are made by Hollywood because they want to win Oscars and no popular movie ever wins an Oscar. I think it kind of falls within the, the gray area between those that nobody's going to make because they're not going to make the big budget, you know, the big movie, the big money from the blockbuster and you're not going to make, you're not going to win an Oscar from it. It's just, it's just a fun movie. Studios have forgotten what movies are for. Yeah, it's just interesting because like when you said, okay, I'll, I'll summarize the movie. 
it was a little hard, difficult to do that because you're kind of like, well, what is the movie about? You're like, well, there's this girl and she's in high school and she kind of does things. And but but there's no major plot, you know? I mean, there's a, there's a thread of a plot. I mean, there is a little character development for Cher. She she does become more self-aware and ends up falling with her stepbrother. I don't really know how I feel about that part of it. It's a little weird, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there's there and there, they, she fights with her friends and they make up and yeah, it's just kind yeah. of like an every day story like again there's nothing remarkable about it but it's i think it's also it's also it's strange to see the popular really pretty girl be put in a place where she's not vilified like she is front and center and she's still got the selfish and like kind of like shallow personality although they do have you know obviously have some depth to her but she's not vilified for being herself she can be her and she can be the protagonist in the movie and she doesn't have to be less pretty or less popular or she doesn't have to give up anything of herself to grow she just has to be more self-aware which is you know i think that's a good message yeah she also she also means well i feel like a lot of times in these movies like the regina georges of the world usually the pretty popular girl doesn't mean well it's right. just in order to play that character you have to be the bitchy girl that never you know that just is necessarily the bitchy character but she's always not mean just very to much be mean that. right whereas she's just not that so she's actually a more likable character but and i think that's more like realistic in life in general People who are mean to you aren't mean to you to be mean to you. They're mean to you to, to benefit themselves. People aren't mean to people because they want to be mean. They're just, they're just not, they're not against you. They're just for themselves. And sometimes that can play as mean, but it, it's not actually mean. It's just self-interest. Right. And like she grows out of her self-interest. That's what the, the movie ends up doing. I mean, she still has her self-interest, but she grows to be more aware of other people's interests and maybe that they have merit as well. Right. Well, and I think, obviously, when you're in high school, people are a lot more shallow. But I also feel like, at least in my school, like, the popular people weren't necessarily the bitchy girls. Like, people, because people don't like people who are mean. Like, in order to actually be the popular person, a lot of times you can't be that that jerk person. The most popular people tend to be, yeah, they tend to be good looking and athletic and all of that. But a lot of times they're also just, like, good, nice people because that's why they're popular. Because people want to spend time with them and want to, you know. So I think it makes a little bit more sense than probably some of these Regina George-like movies where people idolize just complete train wrecks. Oh, definitely. I think you can kind of see that in like Cher's friendship with someone like Travis. Like, you know how, how they have conversations and she actually talks to him and when he comes and donates the, the box of drug paraphernalia to the, <laughs> the beach disaster relief fund. She's not, she doesn't talk down him. She doesn't insult him. When he gives her the flyer, the, the fact that he actually gave her a flyer, hey, come see me stay at this thing that, not everybody's gonna go to. And she says, sure. But that's, I feel like that shows that she's she's less, like she's popular, but she's popular because she's accessible to people. People right. like her. Right. I also just feel like the movie's pretty funny. Like I, watching it again, I was like, all right, there's actually some really funny parts of this movie. Um, of course, now they're all escaping me, but. Um, I mean, like you, just some of the banter back and forth. It's just like, this is, this is pretty good. It's yeah. very witty. I like that it it's is. witty. It's smarter than you would think that. Um, a teen movie would be and not because it's based on a novel by you know some 18th century writer it's because it's of 19th 17th century whatever anyway 16th right i have no idea when she wrote this i don't don't know when she wrote it anyway it's not because it was written by some famous author it's because the the writer of the the film was witty and funny because that's that's not in the book if it was it wouldn't translate well right they use they use very big words in this movie 
And even if you know what they mean, they're funny the way they say them. Oh. She calls Brennan and Stanley existential, and I'm like, okay, that's funny. That's so good. So good. So great. I love it. Did What's enjoy your it. Oh. Favorite, favorite part slash one-liner? Oh, I can't pick. Oh, I don't know. My favorite part is, are the clothes. The clothes are amazing. Yeah. I love the, the, the fashion in the movie. It's just, it's great. The red dress she wears to the party. Like, I'd wear that dress today. That's I'd wear the flat dress. outfit she wears. Both both the yellow one and the, the one later on that has yellow and, like, the magenta in it with, the, like, the shiny yellow shirt. Super you cute. Wear the yellow. Okay, you say that, but. I would wear the short, really... short skirt. I'd long, I'd, I'd elongate the skirt a little bit. But I'd totally wear it. I wouldn't wear a matching yellow plaid skirt and blazer. I'd have to pick one or the other. Maybe not. Maybe not, maybe not the, I feel like the whole ensemble look looks a little too warm for Los Angeles or Beverly Hills, mm. that type weather. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're wearing a jacket, but you also have a sweater vest on under it. I realize it's like, like a, a crop one, but it's yeah. still get hot. Yes, it's a whole thing. You don't know. I'm trying to look through some more pictures of their... I mean, there's a bunch of, like, uh, you know, copycat outfits you can you can get. So these these options are available to you if you and, would and like. Dion's dress is definitely I mean, the one that she's wearing when um when Ty gets made over, after she's made over. The, like, it's a wine-colored dress, and it's got, like, the white collar sticking out of it and white cuffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Super cute. Totally wear it. I mean, I would if I, you know, had the body for it. I would probably look great in it, but <laughs> stylish, super cute, super cute. Lots of layers. It looks like lots of yeah. layering. And the white dress that Cher wears that her dad like won't let her go out in, and then she goes out in it anyway. Um, that's a bit. Like, it's just like a plain white much. dress, but it is a bit much for someone who's. She's supposed to be what, like a sophomore? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think. I don't, yeah. I don't know how. I mean, I, I would guess. 16 maybe yeah well yeah because she's getting her license so i guess she's probably 16. yeah she's 16 yeah that makes sense yeah. but yeah completely lost on christian though he's like oh look pretty dress can i wear it can i borrow it <laughs> he wouldn't do that he likes the rat pack style so did you did you pick up on the fact that he was gay when you watched it when you were younger god no so, i didn't know what gay meant when i was younger it's interesting because i think i i remember that was a detail so when i watched it this time i had already known but i'm curious when i would have picked up on that had i watched it as I when I was older but just you know being a person with eyes and you know kind of understanding the cues that are there like I'm yeah. curious how long and it would have taken me to pick up on that they wouldn't have I don't think I would have gone there immediately it probably would have been during like the first date you know where they're laying on the bed and he's just like not having it like I think it probably would have yeah. taken me until then because otherwise I, I would have just been like you know he's a kid in high school it's the 90s and he's wearing pleated pants this is weird but whatever I don't know, but in that like the dance that they went to go through the party, he he keeps rebuffing the girls and like chatting oh, yeah, up the, yeah. the male bartender. Yeah, if, if that <laughs> happens before the other part, then yeah, because you can tell that he's just like dancing with the the guys at the party. Yeah, okay. I like I like this question. Do you like Billy Holiday? She says, I love him. I love and him. Yeah. When I was younger, I did not get that joke. I'm like, I don't understand why that's funny, but right. Billy Holiday is a woman. Good stuff. That's why that's funny. Some of the ugliest workout clothes, like the gym outfits, the gym class outfits are actually pretty awful. I'm looking at, I'm just like scrolling through a website with these pictures. They're like, very 90s. They are very 90s. I love them though. That's like even remotely okay. I mean, 
Britney shares is okay, but she just has like on shorts it's and like weird. a white t-shirt with a tank top over it. I don't know why. Yeah. Why are we wearing a tank top over our t-shirts? This doesn't make any sense. I feel like we did shit like that though in the 90s and in 2000s. We just wore tank tops over things. Just layering. Or, or, or wore t-shirts under our strapless dresses. I don't. I don't know what we did. The other thing that people used to do in high school, so this wasn't the 90s, is you would wear two polo shirts and like pop one of the collars, which is just like, why am I, why are you wearing two shirts? To but pop everybody one used to do, yeah, you'd wear two different <laughs> colors and then like you would just see a different color collar. I'm like, this is just, this seems like a lot of work to. This is weird. Are you not hot? <laughs> right. It's just. We like, didn't do that out in the South because you couldn't wear two shirts in the South. Makes me claustrophobic like, just thinking of it. Bad idea. Did some weird stuff. You know, when I was younger, I, I kept thinking that Mr. Hall was unreasonable as a teacher. But, like, just watching it now, I'm like, he was a pretty chill teacher. So, Mr. Hall is the... He's the debate teacher. The debate teacher, right. Um, yeah, I thought he was perfectly reasonable. She makes some good arguments in some of her... I mean, they're, you know, a bit ditzy, but, like, a lot of the points she makes are legitimate. She just needs a little more research, you know? Exactly. Like, I remember thinking her, her, um, her speech about Haiti... When I was a child, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Let's go rearrange things in the kitchen. There's no RSVP <laughs> on the Statue of Liberty. There's not. <laughs> There's no RSVP on the The there. thing is, that that would be a successful political commercial these days. Oh, it definitely would be. I feel like we need to give a bit more background. Can you give a bit more background to her speech? Oh, well, okay. So she starts out, she says, okay, so the Haitians, she says Haitians, <laughs> she means Haitians. This was a mistake that Alicia Silverstone actually made. Oh, the sorry. director was like, don't correct her. This is gold. <laughs> exactly. Again, as a child, I was like, I guess they're called Hagen's. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I said it. As, and then as I got older, I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize she was, she meant Haitians. I was like, who are the Hadians? I don't who understand. Anyway. They want to come to America. And then people were like, oh, what about the strain on our resources? <laughs> but it's like when I was planning my father's 50th birthday and I said RSVP because it was like a fancy dinner party but people came who like did not RSVP I know the speech by heart <laughs> yeah you're, you're you're really getting all of it which is good because it's a short speech so I had to haul ass to the kitchen rearrange some things but at the end of the night it was like the more the merrier <laughs> so if we as a country could just and the government could just go to the kitchen rearrange some things we should, could certainly party with the Hadians <laughs> And, that, and in conclusion, may I say, <laughs> does not say RSVP <laughs> on the Statue of Liberty. Such a good little speech. <laughs> I don't think that's the speech I was talking about when I said she no. made, I feel like it's the other speech where she makes like a legitimate point. About um, violence on the news. Yeah, like you can still watch the news. I mean. Right, right. But yeah, that, that the, the Hadian speech is great. And then everybody cheers and it's just like a moment. And... Of course it is. You've got to cheer the the popular girl. Of course. Who's she playing with her with... gum that matches her outfit? Exactly. Of course. I wouldn't match her outfit. But that speech would totally work in a political campaign these days. Oh, yeah. Give me 30 seconds on Haiti. Go. Yeah. The whole, like, there's no RCP in the Statue of Liberty. I could see that being the tagline of a campaign. Easily. Actually, somebody should do that and just see if anybody notices. You Whatever on works. That Whatever yeah. works. I'll, I'll put that in my speech whenever I uh, end up running for office, if I ever do. Like, may I remind you, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Look it up. It's in the thing. That's a different you got, movie. You got to find a way to make it relevant, but yeah. Great. Let's look it up. It's in the thing from. That reminds me. What is that? That's Baby Mama. 
That's ba- that's right. That's another good movie. Oh yeah, he was actually pretty. Like, I remember. I thought he was like a like a hard nosed, very strict teacher when I was. But no, he was actually very chill. He let Travis go up there and give a whole speech about being tardy. Yeah, I mean, look, I I can't imagine that it's much fun being a high school debate teacher. I mean, I I assume it's great for some people, but like you probably have to put up with a lot of ridiculousness like that. So especially I, if you're in a school where all the kids are richer than you are, and you're yeah. like, I drive a crappy Toyota. And y'all drive BMWs. I hate you all. Yeah. Everybody's an ass. Yeah, totally get it. But him and Miss Guys are so sweet together. I'm like, aww. It's very cute. Their Super characters cute. aren't overly developed, but it's very cute. No, I think they're cute together, though. I think they're very cute. I think Josh is pretentious as hell. He's, re- he's reading Nietzsche by a pool. Did you catch that? <laughs> no, no, I didn't catch, like, which book he was reading. Yeah. Definitely reading Nietzsche, and I'm like, okay, you're definitely in that college. Oh, I just took a philosophy class, and I know everything, and everything is, like, so, so questionable or whatever. It's life. One of those. One of those types. Who wants to do environmental law, not (laughs) corporate law. I don't know why Mel is pushing corporate law. He doesn't do corporate law. He's a litigator. What the heck? Uh, Her her dad. dad. Yeah, her dad. Yeah, it's it's not 100% clear what he does. Um, Well, he's he's a litigator litigator because he's looking through depositions. Because she says at the beginning of the movie, daddy's a litigator. That's like the scariest type of lawyer. I mean, I guess it's scarier than like a corporate guy. Because like, you know, what's the corporate guy going to do? He's not going to sue you. No. I will merge with your company, sir. I will, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah. I and I will dilute your stock. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, that's I have no idea what corporate do. Just, you know, push money around and sign deals. and Pretty much. That's about it fact-checking, doing due diligence, that type of thing. This really is much more difficult when you like the movie. It really is. We're so much funnier when we're bashing the movie. Ugh. I feel like we still got some good stuff. Oh, yeah. We still got some good stuff. We'll have to keep the stuff out eight miles at the beginning, though. Oh, yeah. It's just one of those things where, like, as you do different ones, you kind of realize, like, what works and what doesn't, you know? Yeah. And you just kind of, like, it's interesting thinking through, like, for, you know, what movies to do next and that sort of thing. Just thinking through, like, what works and what doesn't. Well, let's talk about the morality of her getting together with her ex stepbrother. Because I know a, a lot topic. of people, a lot of people have a problem with that aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? So, okay, so to, to state the obvious, she's not actually related to him, which I'm right. like, so so that that's a good. The other thing is that it's not like they grew up together, lived in the same house for like 12 years, and so they effectively have a brother sister relationship. My understanding is that like. Their parents were married for two years or something, and then he went off to college, and so they never really established a firm brother-sister relationship. They just kind of, like, lived together for a couple years and, like, had that whole, oh, boys are icky, girls are icky, in in that phase of their life. Right. So it is a bit weird, but I would feel more uncomfortable if, or I should say less comfortable, if, one, obviously, if they were related, um... But two, if they like had actually had a brother sister type relationship before it kind of turned into what it turned into. But it does there is still like a little bit of an ick factor. But I'm not really sure where that comes from aside from the fact that the basis of their original relationship was one that was a familial relationship. I, I just I wonder how close his relationship is with her dad because I mean he's at their house. And like obviously there's some sort of like her dad still feels some sort of parental responsibility towards him. Right. So I wonder just it just feels like that might be weird from 
his perspective, but obviously he's all for it because he's smiling when Josh is getting overprotective and wanting to go run off to the party to protect her from this gay guy. <laughs> so obviously he don't have a problem with it. So I guess right. he don't have a problem with it. I don't have a room to judge. Yeah. But um, do you still feel like it's a bit icky, even if you can't describe why? I don't know. I've never been in this situation before. <laughs> my mom never remarried after my dad died, so I didn't have to interact with any other kid like in this type of environment like kind of like hey our parents are together and we had to just stuck with each other for a couple years i don't know but again it was it's, it's different from like a movie like cruel intentions when there's definitely some like weird stuff happening while their parents are married to each other and they're living under the same roof yeah that's and that's that's, that's, icky. <laughs> that's the other thing too is that their parents are divorced at this point so it's like they do everything they can to make it not icky. Like they're not related. They don't, they didn't really grow up together. Their parents aren't together now. So it's. Yeah. And that house is big enough. So they didn't really interact too much when they actually were living together. Probably. Yeah. There is still just kind of like a, like a weirdness to it for obvious reasons, but. Yeah. It, it'll give you pause. Right. But actually, but I, actually, I think it's either the producer or the director of the movie or the writer, some, someone who like was in charge of writing the movie. Her grandparents had this story where they were step siblings and they ended up getting married. And that's where she got the relationship from. I don't think they were ex-step-siblings, though. I think they were just yeah. full-on step-siblings. So that's why she didn't think it was weird. I think it depends, too, on again, like on how long you had a sibling-type relationship. Like, if your parents got married when you were two and you grew up in the same house with somebody for 16 years, then it would be kind of weird. Yeah, I see that, yeah. Because you've always had a relationship that was essentially a sibling relationship and then yeah. you went from that to a whereas here it was just kind of like, like I don't know how like long a, they were married but they, they right. definitely made a point of saying you were barely even married right which I don't know what that means but right couldn't have been too long right yeah it doesn't it doesn't creep me out too much <laughs> I mean I, I never personally was too bothered by it but I know it gets some criticism for that and yeah. I'd just see what your thoughts were well, you obviously think it's really fine well, I think a lot of times in movies, you can tell who's going to end up with who in like romantic comedies and like girly type movies. Like you can usually tell, like in Legally Bond, there's no question once you meet Luke. Oh, yeah. What's his last name? Was it Luke, Luke Owens? Owen. Luke Owens. Like, one of the Owens brothers' names. I just couldn't remember the last name. But once you meet his character, you're like, okay, I see what's going to happen. He's a jerk. She's going to leave him. And you can totally tell. But here, yeah. like you could kind of but it's you you don't necessarily go there immediately because of that sibling relationship so it, it keeps you guessing at least a little bit more than in some other movies maybe. that's true yeah also can we talk about how she was totally flirty with elton throughout all the montages they showed in the movie before ty showed up right right yeah and then she acts like it comes out of left field that he thinks that she's into him Right. It is odd, though, that he has a picture of Ty in his locker. Yeah, that's weird. Because she took, like, I get that she took the picture, but that's still weird. Like, you wouldn't do that. No. That well, part doesn't hold up. No, no. That's weird. Yeah. I think he's just stupid there. Right, exactly. Then again, she was the one with the camera. Maybe she wasn't in any of the pictures. Yeah, but then you would just take a picture. I don't know. It just seems like a very weird thing to do. It's an odd choice. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you refilling. I need some uh, more wine. I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. 
um, because it just like sparked my. This is a completely different movie and has nothing to do with this movie. But the only romantic comedy where I did not see the ending coming was Something Borrowed. But Something Borrowed is a fantastic movie. As somebody who like went to law school and like you know like it's just. Oh yeah, it's definitely a good movie. Some parts were like we really didn't remember that part of it when she's like studying negligence and we're like duty, (laughs) Duty. (laughs) breach, causation. Oh, what's the last one? What's the last thing? Damn it, is you stupid idiot. But that is, I want to say that's the only romantic comedy where I did not see that ending. Oh, no, because you think she's going to get together with um, John Krasinski. Right. Obviously. He's the nice guy. He's better looking. Yeah. But it's so bizarre how it ends up. And didn't you say in the book that Kate Hudson ends up with John Krasinski? Yeah, in like the second, in the second, second book. That makes no sense. Like she gets pregnant with, um, what's his face's, um, baby. You know, the guy who plays on Reba? Yeah. She's ready with his baby, and then she moves to London and stays with him, uninvited. He did not invite this woman. He doesn't like her. Right. But, and then they end up together. See, that makes no sense, and I haven't read the book for the first book, obviously, but in the movie, there's absolutely no way those two people would get together. Absolutely Nobody not. in those movies or books are good people. Nobody. Except I for mean, John Krasinski. John, John Krasinski, Krasinski is a good, is good person. He's a good person. Right. Nobody else. Nobody else. That's true. Terrible people. Yeah, it's a weird movie because you don't know who to root for because, like you said, everyone sucks. Now I want to Terrible watch that people. movie. Terrible people. I don't know why, but I really enjoyed that movie. I, again, I don't know why because everyone's so, like, just awful. And It's about lawyers. There's a love drama. Of course you love the movie. That's probably what it is. But I just find that movie so incredibly entertaining. Um, it's, it, it's very engrossing. I enjoyed it. I've watched it a few times. Yeah. I, I read the books. I enjoyed it so much. So The, the scene where they're, where, I, I don't know any of these people's names in the book, but where the two, the the brunette guy and the brunette girl, what are their names? Dax and Rachel are having a beer and they're talking about like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And they're essentially like two lawyers having this conversation. And I feel like every lawyer has had that thought. Oh yeah. Like, I think some lawyers like their job and I don't hate my job. It's just that that conversation is so amazingly relatable of just having two lawyers who spend all their time working, just like sit down and have the conversation of if you could do anything, what would you do? And both of them pick something that has nothing to do with law is just like so relatable in so many ways. I just think that's like such a genius scene. Agree. hundred percent. I have had that conversation so many times with you, with other people. Yeah, I feel like no lawyer that I meet really. Lo- I mean, I feel like some of them do, and those make partner and make a, like a lot of money. And the ones of us who are just like, eh, we sometimes make partner too. But well, and, and sometimes I like the job. Like it's it, it's cyclical, you know. Like sometimes some things are <laughs> sometimes good. Sometimes it me. really sucks. Sometimes it's really great. But I, I think, think a lot every of job. But yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. But I think probably lawyers more so than others, and that's just my own bias, I think, have that. There's just such a large percentage of lawyers who don't want to be lawyers. You know what I mean? They're also not doing the right type of law, I think. And they're they're in the the grind of like we have to do better, we have to, to be bigger, we have to it's it's very competitive. I feel like the problem that most attorneys have is the pressure. And it's pressure that's just built into the system. But once you remove yourself from that pressure of like the big law atmosphere, I think it's a lot better. 
It's interesting though, because you'd think like if you were like a criminal defense attorney, you would have more pressure because those are like real people whose real lives, not that people who work for companies, like, yeah, in a in a roundabout way, you're affecting real people, but it's so much more in your face, I would think, when you have a I client just, who's potentially going to jail and the actual real world implications would be more apparent criminal, to you. Criminal people are just different breeds. They have they have a passion for what they do. You can't yeah. go into either being a prosecutor or a defense attorney without fully committing like this is yeah. my passion this is what i want to do i believe in putting bad guys in jail or i believe in saving people from the system you either have one of those two mentalities you don't go into either of those professions unless you're like yes yeah. this is my calling in life this is what i'm going to do this is my vocation yeah and so they're just different yeah i think I think the people who excel in private practice and who are like, you know, big litigators or whatever, I don't think that they love the job. I think they love the adrenaline and the feeling important and the challenge and the competition. It's all, they love the the secondary effect of what they do, but maybe not necessarily the actual substance of what they do. I think and I'm that, sure there are exceptions, but. That's probably right. And, and bringing that around to Clueless, see how we're going to go full circle there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Mel is one of the, like, sure his dad is one of those people. He, he likes arguing with people. He loves right. litigating. He loves, that's what he loves to do. He loves to journal. He, he probably loves staying up all night in his, his conference room and his mansion in Beverly Hills. I don't know why they're at his house and not at his office, but whatever. Yeah, that is kind of bizarre he's, that he's like, doesn't have a, like, he's, it's the big boss. Like, so he wants to like be there. Foreshadowing COVID that, you know, he's just like working from home. Like, that's not how that works would bring the files to your house you'd have to go to the files this is ridiculous sir but yeah and i feel like that shows when he's like i'm so proud that you argued your grades up then i'd be more i'd be i'm more proud now than i would be if they were based on real grades and i'm like that's probably not a lesson you want your child to learn but yeah i guess Does that ever, I've never actually attempted to do that. Do you think that actually works with anybody? I imagine it's probably easier to go from like an F to a D than it is to go from like a B to an A. That's you know what I mean? True. Yeah. Like the like I think it's, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's just exactly what I'm D. thinking of. Yeah. Like I think if you fail and you're like, look, he's like I just need a D to science. pass. He's right. not going to touch the science world. Right. And you probably need like some like sappy story. Like I'm going to lose my scholarship if you don't. But I imagine it probably happens with some frequency where someone's like really close and they have some specific reason why they need a higher grade. And so the teacher doesn't necessarily just change it, but they're like, you do some extra credit. That's complete BS. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's actually, probably actually, fairly common. Now that we've talked about this, I actually have a story like this. This has happened to me. I was in college. And I was in, in this class and the day before, cause you know, when you're in college, you have a date where you can withdraw without mm-hmm. any penalty whatsoever on your, your transcript. Right. So the day before, this is my senior year. I was graduating. I had a fellowship lined up to go for my master's program. Everything was ready. So um, the day before that pass, that, that withdrawal date, where you could withdraw with no, no effect on your grade, the professor, he wasn't a professor, he was an instructor. He didn't have a doctor emailed all the class ceasing like everybody and like ceasing our, our program head that everybody needed to drop out now because they would not pass this class and this class you needed to graduate so they needed to pass this class and everybody was failing currently granted there were no tests or anything it was just like a senior project thing so there was no like measurement of whether somebody was passing or not he just said that i'm gonna fail everybody so they need, need to withdraw and this was like the day of that wasn't the day. it was a day of it was like before five o'clock on the day of that we needed to withdraw and that set me into a panic obviously because like i i have all these things lined up and you're saying that i'm not going to graduate in may because you're an asshole basically <laughs> 
So I, I got my ducks in the row. I, I called the, the head of my college and said, hey, is there any way I can sub this class for anything else? And actually, it found, it found out that I could, but I didn't find that out until after five on the withdrawal day. So I could not withdraw from the class. So I went to him and said, hey, can I withdraw passing today now that I, I know that I can sub the class? And he's like, no, I'm not going to let you do that. You did it yesterday. I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But um, I'm like, are you kidding me? So I went to the head of the college. I, I bypassed the, the program director, which is who I should have gone to, like, in the chain of command. I was like, I'm not even fooling with you. I went to the dean of the college, and I got him and the program director in the office, and they ended up changing it to a withdrawal passing. Why, why, was, the professor such a jerk? why was the professor such a jerk? Like, and why would he CC everybody on an email that clearly demonstrates he's a jerk? Because he's a jerk? Because he was a jerk. That's the problem with giving people, it sounds like he wasn't a professor, but that's the problem with giving people tenure, so you just do whatever they want then. No, he, he was an instructor. He wasn't even a ten, he wasn't a professor. Professor, he didn't even have a doctorate. I think he he liked lording his power over people, and I was like, you know what? Let's see power lorded over you. Got the grade change, withdrew, no penalty, graduated that May, and then I went on to my master's program and to eventually law school. So there you go. There's always a backdoor into things. <laughs> There's always somebody who has a little bit of power that you know is going to use it as much as possible because that's never, the only power they have. Never say nothing. It also helped that I had pretty much straight A's except for like one B in like calculus four, and people were like, "Why are you failing her?" Yeah. And then I had like this nice, great fellowship at you know University of Alabama lined up, and they were like, "What?" Yeah. I also had a backup plan in case that didn't work, but it worked. So. That's the story of, of me graduating on time. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a good so story proud. now, but in, the, in real time, I'm sure it wasn't a lot oh, of fun. Oh, it was devastating in real time. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Such a jerk. Oh, jerk. Ben. Just generalize that to <laughs> all men. <laughs> That's not true. I've noticed a very nice men in my life. Anyway, so yes. Moral of the story, you can negotiate your grades in some certain situations. You might have to call on a higher power, though, whether that be the dean of a college or, or God or, or you know, whoever. <laughs> or God. If Thor a call, maybe Christian can help. Yeah, I imagine it's obviously some people are more susceptible to that than others. But I think people just throw around extra credit and they're like, all right, fine, just do this extra credit. Even though you sucked at the regular credit, I'll just give you extra credit to bump you up and get you out of my hair. Oh, as a fun aside, I actually got um, as a, an unrelated point that semester in my psychology class. I missed the first test because I was in the habit of just skipping class because it was a freshman level <laughs> class. And I was a senior and I was like, this stuff is really easy. So I ended up skipping one too many times, missed the test. However, this guy was like head of like the school of psychology counseling, like master's program or whatever, and gave like 40 extra points, extra credit added on to your grade. If you did, did uh, counseling with their, did some counseling sessions with their students just to give them experience. So I did that, got an A in the class because that bumped me up enough to get an A because obviously I made an A on all the other tests because they were easy. So do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. <laughs> Actually, while I was, I broke down in one of those counseling sessions about my my grade debacle with this instructor who was going to fail me. See, you got something out of it. I was going to say, did. you got free therapy and a better grade. Comes full circle. There you go. Win win. There you go. Everything <laughs> won. God works in mysterious ways. See that. All right. So clueless. Clueless. Good movie. Go the movie. Good movie. I liked it. Um, I guess we're going to go back with the, the questions. Did you like it? What would you change? And what did you learn? Take it away, so, Shimon. <laughs> yes, I did like it. What would I change? Hmm. Huh. 
one I would change. It's a hard one. Pretty perfect yeah. movie. Well, I just don't know. Because, again, the plot is just so, like, fluid and it's hard to... Because changing one thing wouldn't really affect something else. You know what I mean? Because it's just so... Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I do think it's... And I realize that this is just, like, reality. But I think the whole focus on 16-year-olds having sex is, like, not the greatest thing ever. Like, I, I realize that relationships are important at that point. But they just seem a bit young. And maybe that's just me being old. Fair. So that's just... It's just odd watching it as you're 30 and you're like, these kids are half my age. This is just weird. So maybe that. And what did I learn? Hmm... I learned. I guess she's not as clueless as you think. Like she's clueless and she's not clueless. You know, like she's she's definitely missing a few things, but she's also pretty smart in a lot of ways. She just articulates it in in a ditzy way. So people don't take her seriously. So I think it's just that no matter how great your point is, you kind of, if you don't package it well, no one's going to listen to you or care what you have to say. That's a good point. Like you, presentation is very important, even though you might not wish that were the case. Right. <laughs> You've got to package yourself in a way that makes you look respectable to the world. It's, it's actually a very, it's a very legally blonde-esque kind of argument. Right, like, yeah. exactly. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change yourself, but you just have to be more articulate. Right, right. I could learn that lesson a lot I'm not very articulate I feel like this podcast is proving that point yeah. well I think it's more like obviously it matters when it matters and it doesn't when it doesn't so uh, that was a very obvious statement but <laughs> it matters when it matters and it doesn't when it doesn't obviously but so Sarah what did you did you like it what did you learn and what would you change I love this movie I've always loved this movie from the first time I saw it didn't understand half of it to when I like I'm 33 years old I'm like oh that's what they meant there okay there you go but love the movie what would I change um there's this one part in the film where Josh is kind of pressuring his then girlfriend to have sex you know when when Cher calls him when she's stranded after being held at gunpoint mm -hmm. I didn't really I thought that kind of was made him seem kind of sleazy did mm -hmm. not care for that but I mean I guess that's guys are all guys are, are sleazy at some point but I don't I don't need to know that Paul Rudd could be sleazy <laughs> so <laughs> I could have changed that point I actually learned two things though okay the first one is that you can die from liposuction they didn't know that and then the second one is that there's no RSVP <laughs> on the Statue of Liberty. Liberty. There's yeah. no RSVP, but you do have to jump through a lot of hoops. There's but still a lot of paperwork. It's not on the statute, though. It's that's true. Statute. It's not on the Statue of Liberty, but yeah. Even if you're tired, you're hungry, that's, that's on the statue, right? I don't even know. What the, what I don't know what, what's on the little pad in the Statue of Liberty. Let's that's see. really not legal. You know, that's just, you know, France like came up with that. Historical. I mean, statue. we didn't really write that. No American had any part in writing that. So not really binding on any of our principles. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. What in the world, really? That was written by that? Frenchman. Was pen. I don't even know what half those words mean. Yeah, that's a lot. We could have been, again, you could, we could have been more articulate, France. But. Yeah, well, they were translating it and didn't translate. Well, probably it's beautiful in the French language. Yeah. Right, what are you going to do? English is not as poetic as French. I guess not. It's we, don't, weird, we, use, we don't use so many letters. If you actually look at pictures of the book, it just has a date on it. So I don't know where this, oh, this it must be at the feet. It says that. No, it's on the tablet that she's holding. 
And it, but the pictures of the tablet just say July 4th. Oh, well, then I don't know. It's got a date. Unless this know. is wrong. So confused. I've seen it from afar. I've never actually examined it up close. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Have you seen the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, I've seen it from like, like in person? Uh, yeah, in par- I, had, I didn't actually go to the island. But you know, mm-hmm. you can see it from like yeah. far. Right. I, I didn't, right. you know, go there. But like, yeah, I see the movies. I don't have to. There's New York is very big. I got a lot of spots to see. It only had a weekend. That's to do. So makes sense. <laughs> go to New York sometime. We should. It's only like two hours from here. Not even on the train. It's yeah. like an hour. A little hour. further for me, but you know. Yeah, but once you get airport. here, you know. <laughs> Atlanta Airport is really close, so. Yeah. Okay, so you want to end this out? How how are we gonna get out? The whole that was clueless, everybody. Yeah. Next week we're gonna be talking about. Are we doing Scream next week? We could do Scream. That's a different one. Like yeah, it, that's, you know. that's a different genre. I like yeah. I like it. We'll do yeah. Scream and see where that takes us. It's gonna be a Scream, so y'all should definitely <laughs> tune in. That's very, a terrible pun, but there you very, go. All right. Very nice. We will see y'all. Well, we won't see y'all, but y'all will hear us next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.